Hi, my name is Adrian. I'm not alcoholic. Hi, I'm going to tell my story. Um, okay, so as Julie Andrews would say, let's start at the very beginning. I love her, by the way. Um, so I was um, actually born deaf um, in Seattle, Washington. Love that place. Um, to a family uh, that was immigrants from Africa and Scotland. I was the first American citizen in my family. Anyway, uh, we lived up in Seattle for a short period of time, moved here in 87, so I was seven years old. And uh, we moved here because my stepdad got a job offer down here that paid more than what they paid in Seattle. So I was kicking and screaming the whole time. I wanted the mountains. I didn't want the desert. Didn't want to be here. But uh, that's a common theme in my story. So let's see. So my stepdad was really abusive. He would um, shut the door. And when I heard the door shut, I'd hear the click. Um, if you remember the locks back in the 80s. You push the button and make a clicking noise to mean you'll lock the door. And every time I would hear that door lock, I knew what was going to happen. It was that he was going to beat the shit out of my mother. So I was the kid who kind of hid from him. I felt like I was always walking on eggshells. Don't piss him off. Don't make him angry. Don't do anything because anything will set him off. Um, he would come home drunk. I remember when we lived up in Seattle, he came home drunk one night and he parked his Harley in the apartment and proceeded to punch out the mirrors and glass and blood everywhere. I got freaked out. My stepsister got freaked out. We're the same age, by the way. Um, and we ran away from home that night. And then they couldn't find us and couldn't find us. I don't think they were looking that hard because we were still in the complex. We were just hiding like in an elevator shaft or a stairwell. I forget. It's very vague. But... um. I remember we ran away that night. So ever since then, it was like walking on eggshells living with that man. So needless to say, I um, was, let's see, where am I going with this? I was searching for a way to get away from home. So I got really involved in singing in school. And despite my deafness, I'll just say it, I can fucking sing. <laughs> but uh, I've been al always been able to sing. I'm not tone deaf. I've always been musical. That's my thing. And so I got really involved in that, and that uh, kept me away from him for a couple hours every night, especially in high school. Anyway, so uh, high school <coughs> comes along. I'm still scared to death. And... But I can't tell anybody, and that was the hard part, was trying to seek help out of this situation, but I couldn't tell anybody. My mother was in denial. She's still in denial. She don't remember any of this. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't tell anybody because I was, I was fearful of what he might do. So I got really involved in theater and singing in high school. And that kept me away from home probably about till midnight every night. It was, it was pretty intense, and I loved theater and musical theater and all that stuff. 
And so as soon as I graduated high school, I said, fuck the desert. I want the mountains back. And I moved back up to Seattle by myself. But it was partly to get away from him. Um, so I lived up in Seattle on my own for several years. I got really involved in a church. It was one of those big, huge churches that you see on TV. Not televangelist, you know, not televangelist kind of church, but a non-denominational church. It was very big. And again, I got really involved with that because distraction is key, right? So I got involved in the church choir and the youth group leader and all that stuff. We started a drama team. So I was doing well. And um, the last year that I lived in Seattle, I, you know, I got laid off my job. I had a really good paying job. I worked at Farmers Insurance and I became an agent. I went through all the testing and everything. And I got laid off because I forgot to insure somebody. And of course, that person got in a wreck. So shit. Anyway, I had to move back here. I was broke. I was so broke, I was about to go homeless. Um, so I moved back reluctantly. My parents begged me to move back. My stepfather apologized to me after I moved back. But that fear was still instilled in me, and that wouldn't go away with him apologizing. But I was very glad that he did. I was glad that he acknowledged what he did. And he actually was the reason that I didn't drink for so long. I promised myself that I wasn't going to ever drink like my stepdad did because I was terrified of him. I didn't want to be a monster like he was. But sure enough, uh, I moved back. I was 24. And then after I got a good job, where I still am, by the way, and um, I got, you know, I got my friends from high school back. Everybody got back in touch, got back in with that click. We all started hanging out. They were drinking, and then I was like, well, shit, I'm 26 now. I was 26 when I first started drinking, when I had my first drink. And then I realized, oh, shit, alcohol gives me the courage to be able to sing in front of people. And that's why I started drinking. Um, liquid courage is what they call it. So I started going out and doing karaoke several times a week. I know it's just karaoke, but uh, karaoke is good because it, it was good testing ground, seeing what I did sound good at. And what I didn't sound good at, I could try different things, and everybody would be drunk. They wouldn't remember the next day. So I was good. I was good. But problem was I didn't remember the next day either. So uh, anyway, so yeah, I was a very, very late bloomer. And um, not even a year after that, so when I started drinking, this is very personal, but I'll just say it. When I started drinking, I was a virgin. So I started drinking, and that went out the window. And not even a year later, I think it was South by Southwest 2007, that I found out that I was pregnant. And I was like, oh, shit, I don't want to be pregnant. I don't want kids. So I was uh, thinking about my options, and I was still very much had that. Um, I didn't believe, let's see, I wasn't so open-minded then. That's a nice way to put it. Um, so I figured either I would have the baby or I'd give the baby up for adoption. So I, get, I chose giving the baby up for adoption, but it was an open adoption. 
because I still want to be involved in the child's life. I didn't want to give away a child and have nothing to do with it. I felt that that was too hard for me. I wasn't capable of that. So fast forward uh, two years. The baby is two now, and um, it was an open adoption, but then the adoption agency changed the rules and said that, oh, she's emotionally maturing. Um, They decided to not let me, sorry. They decided to not let me have contact with her anymore. So then I really started drinking. And the family who adopted her is a great family. I've known them for a long time. They actually, to make matters really weird, they uh, live across the street from my parents. They still do. But um, after I got that news that they have to follow the rules because the agency could take her away, then I really started drinking. And then um, it just went downhill from there, and I started losing friends over my drinking. And one day, um, a group of my close friends pulled me aside and decided to give me a little intervention. Well, it pissed me off. I didn't want anything to do with it. I cussed them out for doing it. Fuck you, you know, you're not my friend. So I went back out and drank again. And I kept doing that for a couple of years, several years actually. And uh, I was a blackout drunk. And so I'm pretty sure all kinds of stuff happened to me because I'm tiny and I was blackout drunk. And so anyway, I tried to quit. I did for a couple months. I wasn't the type to, to go out and drink every day. I would go out a couple times a week, maybe several times a week. And like I said, I would get blackout drunk. But I didn't have a craving for it. I didn't want to do it every day. I didn't feel like it was, I was still in denial. I didn't really feel like it was a problem. I felt like it was a problem to a certain extent, but that I had control over it. Therefore, it wasn't really a problem. Um, So anyway, uh, I never missed a day of work for being hungover. That's what my friends didn't understand, was that I didn't really get hungover like normal alcoholics do. I would get really, really bad anxiety, though, because of my blackouts. Oh, shit, what did I do? Who did I piss off now? Who's not my friend anymore? Going through my text message, going through my emails, going through my phone. Oh, fuck, what did I do? Anyway, fast forward uh, to 2013. Um, I don't remember much this year. Uh, 2013, I don't remember hardly any of that, but I know that um, I left work early one day, and in the middle of the afternoon, I was crossing 4th and Congress, I was in the crosswalk with a walk sign, and a car wasn't paying, uh, the driver wasn't paying attention, and ran the red light, ran me over, I, I don't know why, it still puzzles me as to why I was the one that got hit and not everybody else in the crosswalk. But it hit me so hard and so fast that I went flying 30 feet and I landed where you're not supposed to land on your head. Um, So I'm told that I was in the hospital for a month. I was in ICU for a week. I was in a coma for a couple days because the brain swelling was so bad that 
had my brain swollen too much, then that will automatically kill me. Anyway, so all those head injuries and complete life change happened in a split second. And like I said, I don't remember that year. So, sorry. So after I got out of the hospital, they were, uh, doctors and nurses wanted me on 24-hour monitoring because of my head injuries, and they didn't want me going home because they were afraid that, which is funny because it it did happen, um, that I would, you know, leave something on the stove and forget about it and leave the house and come back to a house on fire or something. I didn't start a fire, but I have left stuff on the stove in the oven many many times it's pretty ridiculous but you know that comes with that comes with the territory of head injuries um and so where's that going let's see i forget where i'm going oh yeah so i went to rehab after the hospital because they wouldn't let me go home i went to uh a beautiful little place that I used to go plant shopping out when I was little with my mother called Marbridge. And it was down South Austin, almost uh, in Buda. Or no, sorry, almost in Mantec. Anyway, long story short, I went there for several weeks. I got mistaken for a nurse uh, because it's, it's connected to a nursing home. So people from the nursing home would wheel down in the wheelchairs and come hang out with us for a little while, come hang out with the nurses. And there was one guy who would start yelling at me if I was talking to a nurse, and he would talk, 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 talk. And I, was, I would try to ask the nurse, what's this guy's problem? No, HIPAA, can't tell you, HIPAA. Uh, but yeah, um, that was interesting. So they, they tried to make me as... Uh, independently functioning as I could be at the time. Um, So I was there for several weeks. Then I went back home, and everybody wanted me to go out and go do this and go have a drink and go do this and, you know, get everything back to normal like nothing happened. And I tried. I tried. I went out and I had a couple drinks. But with the head injuries, it really lowers your tolerance an extreme amount. So I was blacking out quicker, um, and just with, with the head injuries, before I was even drinking, my short-term memory was shot. That's why I said I don't remember that year at all. So my short-term memory was shot. Add alcohol to it, it was just a clusterfuck. So I thought, you know, eventually it could get back to normal, and I kept going out and partying like I did before. So... That's when people started confronting me again, telling me that I had a problem. But by that point, I feel like the accident kind of knocked some sense into me. Then I started to realize that, yeah, I do have a fucking problem. Because, and then, uh, because um, I remember one time I tried to go back out with my friend Patrick. And we got back to my place. I was looking in my purse for my keys, and I fell headfirst, which is a big no-no. If you've already had head injuries, you don't need more. Um, and there was blood everywhere, the blood all over his car. He took me to the ER. The ER doctor noticed that I reeked of alcohol. You know, 
he tried to give me an intervention. They kept me overnight because they wanted to keep an eye on me. All that lovely stuff. And uh, and it, it just, it, I couldn't deny it anymore. It was, it was obvious and it was staring me in the face. And people from work were um, very concerned because they knew the extent of my injuries and they didn't want me to hit my head again because if I hit my head again, that's it. That's the last time I'm hitting my head. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh my god. So yeah. Thank you, Kat. I love you. So uh, anyway, my boss finally just pulled me aside and said, you know. I, I work for a company who's uh, a local company, but it's uh, pretty well known. And she said, you know, people at you have a problem. People at KLRU think you have a problem. People at the hotel think you have a problem. We want you to stop drinking. And I did for a while. And then they, they offered um, to get me into recovery, and they paid for all of it. Um, and I don't have a car. I've not had a car for years and years. And so they paid for me to uh, get a ride share back and forth as long as they knew that's where I was going. So they had it you know, they had a paper trail. What I was doing, I think it was it was outpatient, so it was three times a week from like six to nine. So I'd go to work, go to Austin Recovery, go to work, go to Austin Recovery. And um, that worked for a while. While I was at Austin Recovery, I didn't drink at all. I followed all the rules. I'm a stickler for rules, but uh, I mean, only when it's convenient. So... <laughs> anyway, I uh, followed all the rules. I didn't drink while I was in the program. I graduated that program. And still for several months, I still didn't drink. But then one day, it kind of dawned on me that, shit, I can go to all the bars I used to go to, where I knew all the people that worked there, where I know all the Austin musicians, where I always run into somebody I know no matter where I go. I can go there, and I can keep it a secret. And I can have a drink. I can have fireball. I can have 20 fireballs. That was my thing. Um, and sure enough, I went back out, and I got wasted. And I had to tell my boss about it. Um, oh, yeah, so, I'm sorry. Backtrack, before I went to Austin Recovery, the last straw was um, my boss finding out that I got a public intoxication. So I started drinking downtown. Then I went to uh, Barton Springs Saloon, and then it went downhill after that, and I don't remember anything. I just remember getting my head slammed in a cop car because I was resisting arrest, apparently, and um, being in jail overnight. So 
my boss heard about that, and that's when they got me into Austin Recovery, and I did do well for a while. But then I realized that I could keep it a secret, and I tried to keep it a secret, and I went to all the bars that I used to go to, and <laughs> they were like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, they, all those bartenders knew I had a problem. <clears throat> they knew. It, it's, um, and I knew, too. I just didn't want to face it, because it was... After my accident, it was a lot of change all at once. Um, so, what was it? So, I went back out. I didn't get a PI. Oh, yeah, I blacked out. And I, I guess I was, I was trying to hurt myself. I guess I was, after the head injuries, it affects your moods and stuff, and it... Uh, makes your moods that much more extreme. And I guess I was suicidal that night, and I was trying to hurt myself. And I was trying really damn hard to do it. And I woke up in someone's front yard of an, uh, a front yard of an apartment complex. I don't remember any of this. I'm going by what my family told me. So my family's the one that found me. Um, a good Samaritan happened to walk by by my phone, because um, I, I was unresponsive just laying there, and I was laying there in a weird position where it looked like maybe I broke my leg or maybe maybe some, I hurt myself in some way. So he grabbed my phone, looked through my contacts, called my parents, fuck, and, and my parents showed up. I was still unresponsive. I wasn't... It was, it was bad. They called 911. So the EMS showed up, and I woke up in the hospital again, the doctor said, we're very concerned. We feel like you were trying to hurt yourself. Um, gave me, you know, a pamphlet for AA and uh, gave me some paperwork on uh, suicidal thoughts and all that stuff because I told him that, you know, I had the previous head injuries and all that. So something just occurred to me and I forget. Sorry. Um, so yeah, I had to fess up about that too. And that day, I didn't miss, I didn't miss work that day either. None of these times did I ever miss work. And I'd show up to work hungover as shit. But because I didn't miss work, then I didn't have a problem, right? So I was very functioning alcoholic, so I thought. So my mom says, "Are you either tell your boss or I'm going to tell?" Because I work with my mother. She said, "You tell your boss or I'm going to tell." And I said, no, no, please don't. Um, oh, yeah, the thing that occurred to me was when I was in Austin recovery, I noticed that uh, people would talk about AA meetings like it was a secret group, and they would go to meetings, and I, I never got invited, and I didn't know what they were talking about, and the 12-step <coughs> work and all that stuff was foreign language to me. So anyway, um, I told my mom not to tell my boss that I was going to tell my boss the next day after I went to a meeting. And that was the first time I showed up here at Bolden. And that was August 4th of 2015. So I'll be getting three years this summer. And um, that was the last time I drank because I, I felt like I had to fess up and I fessed up, and I felt like I need to get credit for that, and I need to show that I had integrity, that that I was doing what I said I was going to do this time. 
because I didn't do it the other times. So anyway, that was my first day here. And ever since then, I tried to come to a meeting every day here at Bolden. Um, so yeah, and I got a sponsor. I've gone through a few sponsors. Uh, my sponsor right now is not here. But she is great. She's an old hippie who is married to a famous musician. Uh, and um, so she knows, she knows that the partying with the musicians kind of lifestyle. And that's what I did. And that's what I got um, really into for a while. So I've been doing the 12 steps. And this Sunday, hopefully, uh, I'll get to raise my hand to become a sponsor. So it's, it's taken a lot of uh, self-reflection and calling myself out on shit and realizing where I'm wrong and, and a lot of fixing. It's been a lot of fixing. <coughs> but um, I'm, I'm content and I am glad that I can hang out with my old friends and they can drink. And I, it doesn't even occur to me that they're drinking. <coughs> um, they... You know, they just, no holds barred. They drink in front of me because they don't. They know I don't give a fuck. At first I did, but I didn't want to cramp anyone's style. But um, now it just doesn't even occur to me. Anyway, so that is my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> All right.